0: Good morning. My name is Connie, and I am one of Karen Godhead's assistants at Mothers Who Know and Mom Power Training. We are so happy to welcome you today to Reckless for Karen, a three part webinar series presented between each eight-week mom power training that Karen offers. Um, we always get excited about the three weeks where we can offer three webinars for all women. So at least one of those weeks, we like to have a mom panel, and they actually met with us last. Tuesday. This Tuesday we have a special speaker as well. Next Tuesday is going to be presented by Allie Hayward. She is an advocate and champion for those who might be suffering with anxiety and depression. She has a special program that she's on the board of, which is called Mission Fortify, which helps return missionaries during or post-missionaries that are serving. She herself has a great journey in her experience of being diagnosed with anxiety and depression during her mission. You can find her at SilentlySurvivingSouls.com. If you'd like to read more about Allie and her mission, um, you can also catch her on Instagram at silently surviving Souls. You can look at her program that she works with, MissionFortified.org, which might be helpful to some families out there. This three week webinar is supported by Mom Power Training. It's for all moms, anywhere, everywhere. We have moms from all across the country who have taken Mom Power Training. It's an eight week live webinar, Tuesday mornings at nine AM. It's presented by Karen Broadhead. She is the parent support specialist at Life Change Services and the founder and director of Mothers Who Know. Some of you might be more familiar with Mothers Who Know. Her next eight week webinar series starts June 11th, so it's coming right up. If you or your loved one is part of life changing services and any of their programs, the webinar is offered as part of your program. Anyone else who would like to take it, we try to keep the price low, knowing that we all have tight budgets. And so you get this amazing training and class for 30 payments of $40, or you can pay all up front for $99. Share with your family and friends. We would love to see as many moms as we can. A lot of moms have asked us what exactly is the training and the class. And so I just wanted to give you a little bit more information about that. Uh, mom power training teaches principles and tools that will increase your peace and your spiritual routine. You'll learn to build stronger bonds in your family relationships. Mom power training increases your ability to center your life in Christ, And fortify your divine identity and purpose. Mom Power Training also empowers you to recognize and defeat the tactics of the adversary and also to increase your faith community and great support system with like-minded women. Email us if you have questions at support at mompowertraining.com. So pass it on to your friends. Go to mompowertraining.com to register. Okay. Today we have a very special guest speaker. Deanna Lampson, she's the founder and creator of White Ribbon Week, a group that helps kids in schools of elementary and junior high to make good media and online choices. And they have some great packages. You can find Deanna's, Deanna's program at whiteribbonweek.org. Uh, you'll want to go there and read all about it. Run by teachers or parents who volunteer to present the program in their elementary school, so something you might, some of you might be interested in. Okay, I'd like to turn the time back to Karen. Good morning, and welcome. Anna Lamson, she is a wonderful
1: gal who I trust very much, and it's not because I know her really, really good. It's not because I have um, spent lots and lots of time with her. But she and I hang out kind of in the same arenas. She always has a booth at the UCAP conference, the Utah Coalition Against Pornography conference. And so do I. And so for years, we bumped into each other like that. And the very first time I met her, um, she was so um, endearing and kind. And she even got a bee sting on her foot right there and kicked her shoe at me. And I remember thinking, oh, any woman who can go through something like that as graceful as she did, that woman is somebody I would like to have in my life (laughs) because she was so funny and friendly and sweet and open and authentic. I just am so impressed with her. But the first time I ever heard Deanne present was when I really, I was so stunned. i I still, when I think about it and the audience she was presenting to, it was a bunch of mothers and sisters who were in betrayal trauma because of their husbands um acting out in inappropriate ways with their sexual self mastery so whether it was pornography or other things but anyway she was speaking at a conference and I attended that conference and I listened to her presentation and it was so good and I can remember having the thought I wish she was my mom and I love my mom She's just such a great, has a great spirit about her, and I know she has a mission to help people to see clearly what's really going on and the way she does that with is with lots of her gifts of intelligence and all of her skill and talent, but she has a wonderful spirit about her, and I'm so excited for you to meet her. So I'm going to turn the time over to Deanne after I show you this next slide because it kind of gives you an idea of what white ribbon weight is. In case you've never heard about that, we have lots of different states that join us here, not just Utah. And so some of you might not be familiar with White Ribbon Week, and I'll let her explain more about what that is. But she founded this just because she noticed in her own children's school that there was a need. And it has grown and become such a useful resource and such an educating tool for so many parents and children about How to navigate media and how to be responsible while we do it. All right, I'm turning the time over to you, Deanne. Hi, everybody. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. Oh my goodness, that's the sweetest thing ever. I remember meeting you, Karen, when I got that bee sting, and um, I know I'm sure all of you know this about Karen. There's a sense of calm about you. There's a sense of calm that just just brings hope with it and I love that about you. So I love you. Thank you so much and uh welcome to everybody. I'm so delighted to be here and delighted to have breakfast together, although I will confess that uh for breakfast I already ate five um pieces of Texas sheet cake <laughs> this morning. So um <laughs> anyway, I ate my share of breakfast and yours too, I'm afraid but. Anyway, um just a quick little bit about myself. I live in uh, Sandy, Utah, and I have six children. I have five boys and one girl, and they range from age 30. My oldest just turned 30, if you can imagine, and my youngest is 14. And um, I've been um, really concerned and caring and, and wanting to learn about How to protect, protect our kids in a digital world for a long time, probably about, oh, 15 years because of someone that I dearly love whose life has really been turned upside down by it. And I remember, I remember the first time saying to my husband, we can't just pretend that this isn't going to affect our kids. We can't just hope and kind of just hope that it doesn't touch us. That's, that's no longer the world we live in. So, um, I just began learning and there was a quote that I heard that has really changed my life. And it was that every time you learn something new, your child is immediately safer. And I've really taken that as my mantra. And so I just keep studying and learning, attending, listening, reading everything that I can do about anything really. And I just believe that this has really been a blessing to my family. And I hope that some of the mom experience that I've gained along the way will be a blessing to you. So, um, Let's get started, and what I want to talk about today is something that I'm going to call navigating the river, and um, maybe for those of you who, who live here locally in the Wasatch Front, you may have had this experience, which is I decided to take, I, I was a new Relief Society president, decided to take our Relief Society sisters and all of the young women on a float trip down the Provo River. So um, anyway, if you can imagine, we had 85-year-olds, and we had new beehives, 12-year-olds. So as I was picking up a trailer, a great big, huge trailer in which we were going to carry 35 big black inner tubes. So I was picking it up from a friend of mine. And as we were hooking it up, she leaned over and she said, what are you thinking? Like, what if something happens? And I was like, Oh, something's going to happen. Like, (laughs) I'm sure something's going to happen. We're going to take that before picture and we're going to be all smiles. And at the end, Something will have happened when we take the after picture. We just don't know what it is, right? And sure enough, as soon as we got in the river, things started to happen. So one cute little beehive stepped in the, in the water and went to sit on her tube and flipped off and that tube went down without her. We had, we had girls getting scraped by the reeds on the side. All of us were sore from behind from hitting the shallows, um, hitting rocks in the shallows. We had people go down the wrong channel. We had all kinds of adventures, right? And at the, um, when it was finally time to get out of the river, those of you who've done this, there's a little bit of a mad scramble at the end to get out on the spot where you, um, where you get out. And as I did, I turned around and I saw my friend Rochelle just sailing on down the river. She was just sailing on down. And, um, and I thought, there she goes. I had no idea where she was going or how we were going to get her out. Well, um, this story may seem, unrelated to what we're going to talk about today, but I actually think it is closely related because um, we worry for our families. You know, we worry and say, "What what if something happens? Like, what if something happens to our kids? But I have to think and tell myself that our Heavenly Father knew He was sending us and our children at a time in which pornography was rampant. And I have to believe that before we left His side, He reassured us that He would help us that there would be helps along the way and that he would not abandon us. And I think that this life is less like a rocket ship where you blast off in a straight line to eternal life, but it's more like this river trip that we were talking about. There are unexpected things at every turn, but just because we have some mishaps, just because we get scraped or bruised or we flip over does not mean that we're not going to make it to the beautiful lake at the end. So we're going to talk a little bit about this, uh, this journey that we have with pornography in our world right now. So having an encounter with pornography is virtually universal. We know that. And if your children struggle with it, if your spouse struggles with it, if you struggle with it, you have not failed. They have not failed. It is part of, we are navigating this journey. You know, I, um, as I mentioned before, I have five sons and I remember one time when um, one of my sons told me that he had looked at pornography and felt terrible about it. And I remember being very shocked because this is not a child that I would have expected that. And um, I have to tell you, the first thought that came to my mind was, we've lost him. Can you believe that? That's the first thing I thought was, oh, no, we've lost him. And I realize now how absolutely wrong I was. He was navigating the river. Um, That would have been like watching my friend who sailed on past, watching her take off and saying, oh, we've lost her. Let's just go assign out the ham and funeral potatoes. She's gone, right? So I know that in this group you've reflected often, and we see that beautiful painting behind Karen of the Stripling Warriors, and we've reflected a lot upon that. And that we know that the miracle occurred of not one of these valiant sons died. But we also have to remember how many of them were wounded, right? Every single one was wounded. So it may be very possible that all of us will be wounded in some way by pornography. So exposure may be inevitable, but addiction is not. And destruction is not inevitable. And that we can navigate through it. So what we want to talk about is what can we do as women and mothers to help build resilient children? And I want to tell you four things that have been a real help to my family. The first one is something that um, that we call tic-tac-toe, and I'm just going to show you this little image here. Tic-tac-toe. The reason we call it tic-tac-toe is because there are three tips that we teach, and they all start with a T, and it helps us to remember it by putting it in this tic-tac-toe, so Whenever you see something that does not feel right, and with kids, we often talk about getting an uh uh-oh feeling, like something feels yucky. They understand that word yucky. This is, this is helpful even for little kids. Three-year-olds can remember this. So turn it off, talk to a trusted adult, and turn to something active. If you take all of the, all of the brain science around, um, around addiction and you boil it down to just the absolute nuts and bolts of it. It it takes us to these three things, stop the exposure, share it with someone, share that experience with someone and then replace that with some sort of active or inspiring um, thought. So I, um, I love this because, um, really it's something that I do. I use as well as, as little kids. So, um, Recently, we were watching the show on PBS. I thought it being on PBS that it would be, you know, that I wouldn't have anything to worry about, right? We were watching it as a family. And, um, something came on that was so offensive and so shocking to me that I, I stood up and I ran in front of the TV and I put my arms out and said, somebody turn it off. I didn't even know how to it quickly mute it enough to change the channel enough. It was, it was painful to me. And, um, I don't know, maybe some of you have had that happen before where you've seen something and it just, you can't get it out of your mind. And the more you try to push it out, the more you think about it. And I couldn't shake it. And I was so troubled by it. And I remember tic-tac-toe and I told my husband how much it upset me that, um, that I was making the choice not to watch that again. It was a series that I thought would be beautiful and inspiring and it wasn't. And, So anyway, and then turning to something active. And I had to do that for probably a couple of days to push it out, push it out with light, which is what I did. Okay, so the second thing I want to tell you about is something, I don't have a visual, but um, it's something that I call the 10-minute rule. And it basically just is a little agreement that we have with our family. We call it the 10-minute rule that anytime you see something, you see pornography or something that kind of offends your spirit, tell someone within 10 minutes. Tell someone in the family within 10 minutes. Um, And the reason for that is um, that it it helps you let, we know that secrecy is the lifeblood of addiction, right? So if we tell someone, especially if we tell someone quickly, it's the way that our brains and our hearts can let it go. So here's what that kind of looks like. Um, It might look like this, and, and I'm saying this because this is actually what has happened in our home. And I've had a lot of people say, you know what, it might work with little kids, but it won't work with teenagers. And um, I beg to differ because it really does work with teenagers. What you're doing is you're creating an environment where they feel so safe that they don't need to hide. So, for example, the 10-minute rule in our home looks like this. When I get a text from my daughter at a friend's house and she says, um they're watching a movie that I don't really feel comfortable with, do you want to bring me home? I just wanted you to know. Or it might be a son calling me and saying, I don't like the images on this video game. I just want you to know something. We're going to go do something now. Um, it might be that a child's on the computer in another, you know, we have a loft upstairs and my son would yell down from the loft. Mom, something just came up. I didn't mean to click on it. And I go, okay, Noah, great. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for telling me. I'll be up in a minute here. Um, it becomes less of a panic. You can see how it, it creates more resiliency in our children because they know absolutely that they don't have to be afraid of saying anything. Another example of what that might look like, there was one time where my husband sat on the corner of the bed with me and he said, you know what, honey? Today, I was doing some research, actually, for White Ribbon Week, and I was reading an article and clicked on some images, and he said, I clicked on another, and then I clicked on another, and he said, I clicked on images I shouldn't have clicked on, and he said, I just wanted to tell you, because that's what we do, right? We agreed that we would tell each other, and I just wanted you to know, and um, I think that one touched me more than anything, because if we have that kind of confidence that we know that we're all navigating the river. We're all navigating it. And that if we can share it safely with someone, we are becoming more resilient, more supportive, more able to move forward. One more example of the 10-minute rule. There was one morning where I woke up, opened my bedroom door, and my son Noah, who was probably 14 at the time, was sleeping with this little um, (laughs) beach towel over him right outside my bedroom door. (laughs) And I was Kind of startled. That's not usually where he sleeps. And I said, no, what are are you doing sleeping outside the door here um, with the dog? (laughs) And he said, Mom, I saw something late last night. And he said, you were so sound asleep. But he said, I didn't want to wait one second. I just wanted to tell you the second you woke up. This really does work. And you can tell when you go home today, you can say, hey, I learned something called the 10-minute rule. And um, let's try it. Let's just help each other. This can be part of our family plan. One night I was at the, at the dinner table and in an effort to help my kids feel safe with the 10 minute rule, I modeled it. So I said, Hey guys, I was looking at photos of, um, wedding photos on Facebook and, um, it quickly went into photos that I wasn't expecting and I saw some things I didn't want to see. And, um, my my daughter said, good job, mom. You remembered the 10 minute rule. So it's, it's just something that we do, that we do in our home. Now there's, there's a couple of reasons that The 10-minute rule really helps. And it can be the two-minute rule. It can be the five-minute rule. It can be whatever you want. Basically, what it means is that you don't wait forever. You tell someone right away. There's a couple of reasons this helps. One is that by telling an adult, they can help us find out what happened that we saw this thing. Why are we seeing pop-ups? Why did this come up on the screen? So they can help us with that. The other is because of what's happening in the brain. So, there was an MRI study recently that was called putting feelings into words. And it found that as we formulate words about something, <clears throat> excuse me, it suppresses activity in the amygdala, which is the impulse center, and it activates the prefrontal cortex. So, what that means is that consciously recognizing the emotions and verbalizing them helps reduce the impact of the exposure. Isn't that cool? I mean, that's really, really amazing. So there's a couple of therapists that must have known this when they when they said um, these quotes that I'm going to share with you. The first one, <clears throat> Jeffrey Ford said, pornography has very little influence on a teen who has a safe place to talk about it. And another, um, uh, Anthony Perkins, uh, one of our general authorities said, the greater and more complete the first disclosure, the greater the chance of recovery. So it helps us see how important it is to say something. Now, let's see. Um, okay, the third one we've kind of already talked about, and that is to keep learning. There are more resources than ever before for preparing and teaching your kids about dangers of pornography. So um, I'm sure you're all familiar with the, church's, uh, the Church of Jesus Christ website, which is called Addressing Pornography. Um, if you haven't been there, go there. There's a number of videos that are really helpful. And there are enough, there's several family home evening plans, and there's so much info in there that you could teach this probably, you know, once a month for the rest of your life and still have material there to teach. But um, what I would say is sometimes it can be overwhelming when you see so much information. Just read something, choose something, try something, and share something. So just choose one thing to share. There's also um, a number of read-along books. For children and um, that I really love. <coughs> I will refer you or recommend books from Educate Empower Kids. I have really appreciated. Educate empower Going to ProtectYoungminds.org. You probably have heard of the books Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. Uh, there's one for older kids and one for little kids. Um, there's a, a lovely book called My Body Is From God. And it's wonderful for little kids. And it is just a free one that you can print out. Just Google that online. My body is from God. Really beautiful. So as you, as you search, you'll find that there are many resources. There's, there's no shortage for you to teach your kids there. So, <clears throat> Okay, number four, I want to talk to you a little bit about White Ribbon Week. White Ribbon Week is, is as Karen mentioned, it's something that um, we developed actually for our own neighborhood school and then um, it has kind of grown because people are looking for positive ways to teach kids how to deal with with all the digital issues they're faced with, not only pornography, but kindness online, cyberbullying, body image, uh, media deception. There's so much. So each booklet here is a week in a book, kind of like a week in a bag. So this is one week. This is another week. This is another week. Where's my other one? Here it is. There's Media Detective. So each one of these has everything that a parent, volunteer, or a teacher would need to organize White Ribbon Week in their school. So you don't need to be employed by the school. You don't need to be an expert at computer science because everything is in the book. And we are not teaching computer science. We're teaching decision making, how to help kids with decision making regarding digital issues. So Everything is in there. The morning announcements that you're going to do, lunchtime activities. Um, there's a discussion guide for each of the teachers. And they have true stories that they share with with the kids, and they just simply fold it back. The kids look at the picture, and the teacher reads the information there and asks the question. I, You know, when I think of how many kids we can affect, I mean, even just the people that are on this call today, if you said, you know what, I think I can do this. I can go to my principal or my PTA president and say, hey, why don't we have this in our school? That makes a big difference. That's one child. That's one family. That's one future family. That's a whole posterity that you are blessing. So um, two things I wanted to mention about that is that um, I have found with those that have helped in this White Ribbon Week effort that it is a powerful way to heal personally. Um if there has been um, experiences in your life where you have been hurt in some way, where you have been pained or you have recognized how, how pornography has caused you suffering in some way. It's amazing how it takes that suffering and turns it into a powerful force for good. There's so many who work with me in white ribbon week who have come from that sort of experience. And you can see the, You can see the light and the energy and the enthusiasm enter their hearts. That they are no longer focusing on being a victim, but focusing on blessing others. So I would, I would commend that to you. The other thing I wanted to mention is that I have felt so many times that whether it's White Ribbon Week or it's teaching class in church, whatever it is you do, as you, as you reach out to bless children that you don't even know, the Lord reaches down and blesses your children. Um, I have felt that over and over. And I have realized that the Lord can do a much better job caring for them and teaching for them than I can. So if there's something I can offer, my little loaves and fishes, I'm willing to do it because He can create the miracle with my family and with these children. I'll share with you a wonderful quote from uh, President Irene. Um, this was in a... Um, 2013 General Conference talk entitled, Come Unto Me. Um, President Irene says, As we give devoted service to Him, He draws closer to those we love in our families. Every time I have been called in the Lord's service to move or to leave my family, I have come to see that the Lord was blessing my wife and my children. Many of you have loved ones who are wandering off the path to eternal life. You wonder what more you can do to bring them back. You can depend on the Lord to draw closer to them as you serve him in faith. He continues to say, My promise to you cannot be that you will have every blessing you wish, but I can promise you that the Savior will draw close to you and bless your family with what is best. You will have the comfort and feel him drawing closer as you reach out, reach out your arms in giving service to others. As you bind up the wounds of those in need, and offer his atonement to those who sorrow in sin. The Lord will sustain you, and He will bless your children and those in your family. Um, I remember one occasion where I was in Young Women's, and I was preparing for an overnighter readathon, a scripture readathon at a cabin. And I was hustling to get the food together and and um, all of the stuff we needed for the overnighter. And at the same time, I had um, my little girl was a toddler. <coughs> And I had my other elementary age kids, and and they were just kind of following me as I was packing things, and I knew I would be leaving them overnight. And as I turned around and I looked at my little girl, who was two or three at the time, and I said, I almost just started to cry, and I said, what am I doing? What am I doing? Here I am preparing all these things for 12 other girls, and I'm leaving my own. And um my heart was sad. And um at that moment I can tell you I was actually standing right at this spot in my kitchen, right where I'm sitting right now. And a message came to my heart that said, Do this for me, and I will take care of your children tonight. It was really um an answer to prayer for me. And I know that we have to we have to carefully, you know, it's it's one of those issues of motherhood, of priorities, but I know that The time that you spend in trying to bless others um, to teach your family and to empower other children to reject pornography will be sent as a blessing upon your family. So now, okay, we've talked about four things. Let me talk to you a little bit about um, this again. Remember when we talked about this a minute ago? In the middle of this, it says talk to a trusted adult, right? Now, when we first prepared this for schools, it said, talk to a parent in the middle. And you've noticed we've changed that to trusted adult. So why would we do that? Well, um, you can probably guess that not every child feels safe talking to their parent. Um, and sometimes their trusted adult might be someone else. But of course, you want to be a trusted adult. You are a trusted adult for your child. But I wanna to talk to you a little bit about what that looks like. Because um, sometimes we don't realize that the reaction that we might have when our kids share anything with us, not just about pornography, but about anything, that we might be making it difficult for them to feel safe with us. So um, uh, Richard Toft, who is a child psychologist in Palo Alto, said this. A parent's emotional response, this is about uh, exposure to pornography, a parent's emotional response can have a more adverse effect on the child than the exposure itself. Uh, when I heard that, I was like, "Are you telling me that my that I can be more damaging to my child than whatever they saw online?" And the answer is yes. And that is that's a that's a terrifying thought, isn't it? Um, so how we respond to our kids matters. It matters, and I try to tell myself every day that um, how I respond when they tell me that they neglected to turn in half of their homework, how I respond when their room is a mess, how I respond when they back into the neighbor's car. Um, all of those things are part of building a trusted adult because I can't get completely out of control about their long hair or bad grades and then expect them to really feel safe coming to me about sensitive issues. So, um, so let's go, to, let's, let's go to, um, an example or, or kind of put ourselves in the situation of we've just found out that our child has seen pornography. Um, maybe some of you have had that experience, probably a lot of you, because it is pretty much universal. And I have had that experience. So it is normal, um, to have a rush of emotion when we first find out. Maybe it is, you know, maybe we've seen something on the computer or on a device or, um, or maybe they've told us, which would be a great blessing, but either way we find out there's been an exposure and because we know how dangerous pornography can be, it's easy to have this rush of emotions and our bodies usually lead out. We are, we are angry and we're like, what, what are you thinking? What are you doing? What are you? And I want you to know right at that moment when you feel your emotions starting to escalate, I want to ask you to stop and breathe. So you can practice it with me. We're just going to breathe. Like Sometimes just one big, slow breath. I had a neighbor, um, a very wise neighbor, who said to me, do you know what you do when you find out that your daughter is pregnant? And I was like, no. (laughs) What? She said, you breathe. You breathe. And I have I have really taken that to heart, no matter what it is, breathe. I've been studying about neuroscience and I've learned that the fastest way to change your emotional state, to calm an emotional state, is to breathe. So the first thing you do is breathe. You might feel like it's an emergency and that you have to act fast, but you really don't. Take whatever time you need to to be calm, even if it requires some time. It is not an emergency at that moment. It is wiser to take the time to be calm. I'll tell you a quick story about a friend of mine who um, told me about a time when he discovered that his son and their nephew, their son's cousin, um, they found out that they had been looking at some things online together. His sister-in-law had called him and said, hey, you better see what our sons were looking at. Well, he was furious and he said, we've got to do something about this right now. <clears throat> and so he said, I'm going to go check him out of school. So sure enough, he and his wife went to the high school. They checked him out of class, and uh, he said he didn't yell at him in the car, but he was very stern. And he said, looking back now, he wishes that he had stopped to think about it. This child's worst emotion is being embarrassed. And he said, now what does he tell his friends about why I checked him out out of school? He said, my son, uh, as far as I know, he said, my son did avoid pornography, but he said, the damage it did to our relationship has taken years to try to repair." He said, I wish I had waited. I wish I had waited until he got home and that we could calmly talk to him about it. So sometimes parents with the best of intentions may punish or respond with anger. But if you think about it from the child's perspective, The child, what what does the child feel? They feel resentment, or they might say, I will not get caught next time, or I will not share it with you next time. And we've actually created a divide with that child. If a parent responds with overwhelming emotion, with crying, with sobbing, yelling, then the child, what does the child feel? They feel fear, they feel shock, they feel shame. If I have caused this much pain to my parent, I must be, I must have done something so, so bad. But let's talk about what a trusted adult does look like. So to be a trusted adult, like we talked about before, remain calm. When you are calm, your child feels secure. It's that little message that says everything's going to be okay. Um, ask questions and listen without judgment. Um, and when I say ask questions, <clears throat> think of the questions as being that you are curious and that you are caring, not that not that you are judging or that you are trying to think of how to um, how you're going to attack them. It's out of curiosity and interest and caring. So you ask questions. At first, they might seem a little uncomfortable and they might squirm, but after that, there will be a huge relief, and you'll notice that with your kids, they'll be. A little, a little squirmy, and then it's like, and then they'll open up. That's what I found with my kids. And I think from that, your kids learn empathy. The third one is to make a plan. And it may not be at that moment. As a matter of fact, it probably won't be at that moment when you find out about exposure. It will be in, in subsequent talks. But you'll talk through ways how you can support each other. Um, what do they think might help? How can you help them? We're all in this together. And then lastly, be sure to show an, just an increase, as we learn in the scriptures, an increase of love and acceptance. Your child can still be amazing, even though they may have weaknesses or struggles. Of course there are struggles. That's part of our journey. Now, I know there's probably many of you saying, well, uh, <laughs> oh, shoot, I didn't respond that way, right? Satan wants you to think that if you have overreacted in the past, that you have blown it forever, and you have not. You have not. It's amazing how quickly how quickly children seem to turn to you when they sense that you are sincere. Um, I have had those moments. I didn't share with you the moments that have not been so great for me where I have taken a phone away, where I have yelled at my kids. Um, I've done that too. I think we all have. And I think um, Satan wants us to think that we've wrecked that relationship, and we have not. We just have that opportunity to say, you know what? I realized when we talked about this before I may have overreacted and I think it's just because I love you so much and I care so much but I want you to know that I'm going to try and be calm and remind me to breathe and I want you to feel safe talking to me about anything. So please forgive me and I'm always here for you. And the spirit will confirm the sincerity of your words and your kids will come to you and it will be a huge blessing to them. Um, one day in the I was in kind of teasing frustration, but I said to my daughter, Maya, you, this room is filthy. Like you clean up this room or you are dead. And she said, are you threatening me? And I said, yes, I'm threatening you. And she turned around and she said, will anybody else be my trusted adult? I need a trusted adult. (laughs) So anyway, but your kids will will know when you are sincere and really um, wanting them to feel safe talking to you. Now, um, I, I remember, um, there was one occasion, it was actually the first time, the very first time that I remember discovering that any of my children had seen pornography. We found something on the history of the computer and I had never learned anything about it. I knew nothing. I was a young mom, knew nothing, nothing, right? I had no resources. I was not prepared and, um, we had no idea what to do. But I remember that fortunately, my husband and I remained calm, and we took this child and took them into another room. And um, to be honest, I can't tell you what we said, but I remember that we knelt down together and we said a prayer with our son. And at that moment, there was this feeling, I just call it the warm blanket feeling. And um, I don't remember what we said to him. I don't remember what he said to us, and I don't think we solved anything that day, but Um, Something happened with that experience where it has built a, um, a trusting relationship over many years. And this particular son told me recently that he reflects on that experience quite a bit. And he said, you know, the fact that you and dad still loved me made me feel like maybe Heavenly Father could still love me. And if you could love me and Heavenly Father could still love me, then I could still love me. And um, I didn't realize that we were all getting that out of that experience. But sometimes those experiences that we think are going to be so awful can turn out to be a real blessing. So I had a little revelation recently that is really a powerful thought. and it And it came to me word for word, so I'll share it with you. It is the fact that I discovered my child's exposure to pornography is a wonderful gift from a loving Heavenly Father. Okay, now we don't normally think of that as being a wonderful gift, do we? (laughs) It doesn't feel like a wonderful gift at the time. But it really, really is. How many people who have struggled with pornography, um, with the pornography addiction, wish with all their hearts that someone had found out the day after their exposure, or the month after, or even a year after their exposure? How would things have been different? What a blessing that now you know because you can continue to love and support and navigate together with the help of the Lord. So learning to respond with trust, learning to respond with calm builds trust, no matter what the situation is. I wanted to share with you an experience that happened just a couple of months ago. I was sitting on the bed of a teenage friend, a friend of one of my sons. And um, as he was telling with, telling me about all the things that he had stolen from my home. And I had suspected that he had been stealing, um, but I was not aware of how much and how often. And so I was sitting on the bed next to me, and he was trying to come clean. And as he began to tell me more and more things that he had taken from our home and had already sold, I was just furious inside. I felt like shaking him and saying what gives you the right what gave you the right like i was shocked absolutely shocked but a a very real spiritual gift at that moment allowed me to just listen and um i prayed that i could remain calm as he continued to tell me and as he did i i put my arms around him and i wrapped my arms around him and i held him and he put his head down and he began to cry. And he said, um, he said, why are you doing this? Why do you still love me? And his tears streamed down his cheeks, and they landed on my arms that were wrapped around him. And at that moment, I said to him, this very true thought that came to my mind, right when you need it, right? Isn't that how it happened? And the message was this if the Savior were sitting here next to you and it were His arms wrapped around you instead of mine, what would He say to you? He would say the same thing. He would say, I love you, and I forgive you. And at that moment, I realized something really important, that as we love our family through their challenges, it is not my love that has the power to heal them. It is their feeling, His love. And the love that we share with them is the way that Heavenly Father and the Savior reach right through and wrap their arms around them. They want that individual to feel of their love. They want them to know that there is hope, that they are loved, that they are cherished. Um, that was a powerful moment to me. I am simply sharing the Savior's love. And He is the one who can create the miracle. He has the power to change hearts not me but he does and i am merely a conduit for his love so um powerful experience for me so maybe it's okay if we don't know how to solve the problem or we don't know what to say that just simply allowing them to feel of our love can make more of a difference than we can possibly imagine because they his love and he is the master healer so now so I have been around the block enough to know that just because we respond with calm doesn't mean that the problem is solved or that it will never happen again. Um, and I remember asking one of my sons, um, how often, you know, just help me understand. That's one of my little phrases. Help me understand. There's not a good little <laughs> prefix to anything? Help me understand. Help me understand how often you're tempted to look at pornography. And his response surprised me. He said, all the time. And I was like, all the time? And he said, I don't look at it all the time, but the temptation is constant. So I realized that that is where this winding river comes in. It is constantly navigating. We're not off the river yet. We're still navigating. Um, We're going to be continually adjusting, learning, protecting ourselves, responding with love, teaching. So any continuing exposure you use as feedback to create your action plan. So you'll keep living the 10 minute rule. You'll keep learning all you can learn. You'll research things. You'll share them with your kids. You'll try things. You'll research filters and monitoring software. And you'll ask your kids to install them because you won't know how to do it. (laughs) Right? And they will feel great that they are trusted to help your family. And you'll decide together Um, to change the channel or get outside. And as things come up, you'll make new little plans. For example, um, my daughter and I were walking down the mall, and you may have the same experience. So we're walking in the mall, and there's a certain store that we always kind of know, like, don't look that direction, look this direction, right? So we kind of do that. That's kind of our pattern. But guess what? That store has now purchased both sides of the mall, right? Both sides of the hallway. So we just talked about it, and we laughed about it because I said, Maya, now where are we going to look? And she says, "Let's just look straight down. Okay, so we look straight down and we go right through. Even that little even that little trick for navigating together has helped us. With one of my sons, um, I told him that I was doing a Google search and I came across um, images that were terrible, and he said, "Mom, he said, no matter what you're searching online on Google Images, if you go down beyond about three screens, you're going to run into pornography." And I went, "Oh, okay, three screens." I'm going to like go down three times, and then I stop. If I haven't seen my image I need by then, I don't look any further. He said, don't try to go to the end of the image list. Like, okay, Noah, thank you. Thanks for that tip. I've had a son come and talk to me and say, you know, Mom, I'm realizing that browsing online is not the greatest temptation to me. It's these particular apps. Would you help me and go in and block these on my phone? Um, so you can see it's this constant navigation where, um, where we're continually adjusting. I had a family call me recently, um, a couple called me recently, and they were um, concerned about their, their son had a problem with masturbating and was coming to them, and he really wanted help. And I, and I said to them, how awesome that your son felt safe coming to you. Like, good for you, Mom, good for you, Dad, but he felt safe coming. And they had developed, um, they had talked to him enough to know that the temptation was when he was in the bathroom right? When he's going to the bathroom. So um, this is probably more than you wanted to know, but I think it's really valuable because you're setting up specific um, strategies to navigate through. So one of their strategies is that he turns on his um, music. He's just a young boy, turns on his primary music before he goes into the bathroom. He sets a timer before he goes into the bathroom and he texts his dad when he gets out. I mean, it's just interesting how Little strategies, little helps for whatever your issue might be. So the last thing I wanted to share is that recently I was reading in our Come Follow Me the story about how the Savior calmed the sea, which is a story we all love. I know. I love, I love that story. Um, and every time that we sing Master, the Tempest is Raging, it brings tears to my eyes. I love that, whether the wrath of the storm-tossed sea or demons or men or whatever may be, no waters can swallow the ship where lies the master of oceans and earth and skies. Um, so I was reading the story about how the Savior calmed the storm, and the thought occurred to me, um, sometimes we know the Savior can calm the storm, but we, have, we, we ask in our minds, why has he not calmed the storm for me? Um, Perhaps there are those of you who have a loved one who still um, is caught in a web of of pornography and it just, just the storm never ends. The storm never ends and it just seems to keep going and the wind and the waves never stop. I've done a lot of thinking about that and actually called some people that I love, um, some of my sisters, my parents, my friends who have children who have struggled with with um, many years of pornography challenges. And I asked them this. I said, is it possible that the Savior has has calmed your storm even though the wind and the waves don't stop? And it was interesting that each one of them I spoke to was able to share with me ways in which the Savior had calmed their storm or that he was continuing to bless them, strengthen them, even though the storm continued. Okay, I love this message that the Lord has a plan for our loved ones. And Elder Craig Cardin said, While the Lord cannot look upon sin with the least degree of allowance, yet in his mercy he allows for improvement over time rather than demanding immediate perfection. As often as we repent and seek his forgiveness, he forgives again and again. I know that uh, the Savior suffered all things so that he could succor us in our sorrows and in our weaknesses. So if if we pay attention, we can find out how he is blessing us right now. How is he um, calming our storm? So perhaps you have noticed, um, perhaps you have felt his love more deeply than ever before. Perhaps you have had words given to you at the exact moment that you need to speak to a child. Perhaps you have been given strength. Uh, maybe you have felt an increase of love for this person that you couldn't, you can't express in words. Maybe you've been guided to resources that have been an answer to fervent prayer. And I wondered if we could take just a minute. I mean, I just wanted to ask this. Because we're all in this situation together, is there someone who could share with me any way that you have felt the Savior sustaining you, blessing you, even though the storm may continue?
0: Oh, what you just said um, again reminded me of a time when my daughter was dating somebody that I knew was not a good a good influence, and they were out late. I was so angry and I was, when she got home, I wanted to really say, what are you thinking? And, um, I just prayed and prayed and I felt
1: that influence. When she walked in, I had that, that really angry feeling in my chest. Mm-hmm. And I just said a quick prayer and Heavenly Father just gave me the words and it was just, I loved you. It was just, uh, all I could do was just express
0: my love and put my arms around it. And that was not what I had felt like doing. And it was such a pivotal time in our relationship. And so I just wanted to second your witness that he will do that. does these miracles. That was a total miracle. That was not what I was expecting.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. That is so true. I love, um, a friend of mine, I remember one time said that we worry so much about, about our kids. And she said, um, Remember that they are his children too. He loves them. They were his children before they were ours. And she said, um, she said, go ahead and go to sleep. He's already up. Don't you love that? Does <laughs> anyone else like to share anything about how you have felt sustained or strengthened, even though a storm might continue in your life? Because in reality, of course the storms are going to continue. This one or another one, right? So I don't know how have you felt sustained. You know the exact reason of why he performed the atonement was to know personally how to succor us. How is he succoring you? I'll I'll share one one uh, little experience of my own, and then please just you can chime in right after me if you can think of one. But uh, there was one particular time about two years ago where. It seemed like um there were there was storm on top of storm. you know, my mother was going in for heart surgery. I had a child going through a very difficult emotional time. I was trying to take care of a Brazilian girl that was trying to escape her father. It was just like, oh my word i I was so completely overwhelmed and and I remember that evening I went to a concert up at the University of Utah and i actually was looking forward to just listening to the music and somehow trying to escape from the things that were worrying me and um as as they began it was a um I guess it was a choral concert as they began the last number it was a requiem and as they began the last one i remember thinking it was so beautiful that I just needed to relax every muscle in my body and let this music just flow over me. And as I did, these distinct words came to me, and it was, let me heal you. And I closed my eyes, and I remember nodding my head and saying, yes, heal me. Heal me. And as that music played, um, I closed my eyes, and. For some reason, every situation that I was worried about flashed before my eyes. I saw my mother in the hospital and almost audible words that said, peace be still. I saw my son going through the really difficult situation he was in. I saw his face and again the words, peace be still. Really, this continued for every one of the things that I was worried about. It was a profound experience for me where I realized that the Lord wants to heal us. And I think the fact that I was in a state to receive it at that moment allowed me to receive what he is always willing to give us. He's always willing and able to give us peace, even if the situation doesn't change us. Perhaps you've noticed that in, in your life as well. Um, is there someone who wanted to share any sort of experience where you have felt direction or peace or guidance or help? i have a little something, if I may. Great. To the classes that I've taken with Karen, one of the things that's always stood out in my mind is they already have a Savior. And so through learning that and, and feeling that and that it's okay that I just love them and that I pray for them and I don't ever stop loving them. And I know that Heavenly Father loves them even more than I do. You know, um, that has brought such a sense of peace into my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, Like you say, it doesn't take the issues away. But it, it helps me to know that they have a Heavenly Father who wants them to succeed as much as I do, and He's going, He's there, and that we have the Savior that, that is their Savior. Isn't that true? And I think that actually, what a beautiful comment, because that, that actually takes a lot of that weight off of us of feeling that we have to fix it. The feeling that we have to fix the situation instead if we say, my job is to love. My job is to love um, and to allow the Savior. There are some things that only the Savior can heal and to allow him to heal and for him to fix it, and we just love. Oh, my goodness, I love that. Beautiful comment. Is there anyone else who wanted to share something?
2: Yeah, I just wanted to share that um, because my loved one is um, in a position where uh, no matter what I do, I can't seem to influence them. Um, it's a real struggle. And so I was thinking about your question about how the Savior is suckering me during um, the time in which I can't seem to change anything or influence in any way. And I was thinking about how um, it's it happens so many times in, in situations where I find that I can influence other people. And yet I can't influence that person that I am trying so hard to influence. Um, Just this past week, I I had a a good friend come by and and she was struggling a lot. And and I could tell that her testimony was wavering. And um, I was I was able to feel the spirit and to know what to say to encourage her to to rethink what she's thinking about doing um, out of like sort of having a feeling of wanting to give up. And um, I don't know really that what I said is going to change everything for that person, but I know that when she left my home, I felt that I had said what I should say and that I was able to testify of the things that I know are right and true, just like I would to to my loved one if they were actually willing to be it. And so I think that um, those experiences helped me to see that it's not like I'm doing something wrong. The person has to be receptive. And, um, so that's how I know that God is there and that he's aware of what I need and that he's succoring me, even though that, that specific thing isn't changing.
1: Wow. Isn't that beautiful? I, I mean, um, and I think it, it does something to you. When you change, instead of feeling that helpless feeling, you turned that to, I can choose to act to bless this person. Um, you know, I think it, it's interesting, I, I mentioned before as I was learning, as I've been learning about some neuroscience things, there's things that I've learned about, um, I've done all sorts of studies on on people and on rats, about pain, and that when you feel pain, They actually can put electrodes on your brain and see what part of the brain is activated. If you act in some way, it lessens your pain. So, for example, this sounds silly, but if there's two rats, they're both receiving a mild electric shock, one of them has the option to run on a wheel. It doesn't change the shock, but they can run on a wheel, right? The other one can't. And they actually measure their receptions of pain. And for the one who, who acts in some way, who has an option to act, they feel less pain. So the way I translate that in, in this world is that even if we can't fix this painful situation, when we choose to act in another way, I think our burden is lessened. Our pain is lessened. I've thought about that scripture in... um in Alma, where it says that the, the people of Alma were, in, were enslaved, but they did not feel the burdens on their back. I think that's very interesting. The Lord has, has the power to make that burden easier to carry. And what a beautiful thing that you look for ways, even in the midst of your burden, to lift someone else. That is absolutely beautiful. So beautiful. Um, was there anyone else that wanted to share
0: anything? Um, I have just, found um, and I felt guided to this, uh, maybe it's intuitive for some people, but for me, I had to really learn
1: to take care of myself, and to, um, if I can't change or fix the situation, I've at least got to keep myself strong and steady in where I want to be, where I need to be, so that if there's ever a chance that I can influence them, or that they come to me, that I'm where I want to To pull them up too. And I haven't been dragged down with it. Mm -hmm. Whether it's into the same problems or losing testimony or just exhaustion because all I think about are worries and concerns and problems, I need to be sleeping, exercising, studying the scriptures, doing the things that keep me where I need to be my first instinct is to dive in and
0: fix and solve and change it all and control that but finding that I couldn't do that I have to take care of me
1: and stay where I need absolutely oh my goodness that is an inspired thought so I think Satan wants us to um, to sink into despair and what a what a powerful message to you that's I am sure that is revelation specifically that the Lord sent to you saying take care of yourself. I will fix this problem. You take care of yourself. That's that's beautiful that you were able to receive that. Oh my goodness, what a difficult thing. Well, I wanted to share with you um one last quote that I found so powerful. Okay. A scripture that I love. <clears throat> and this really ties in with what you just shared as well. It's it's and c 123:17. Dearly beloved brethren, and I like to say sistren, dearly beloved brethren and sistren, let us cheerfully do all things that lie in our power. Then may we stand still with the utmost assurance to see the salvation of God and for his arm to be revealed. There are things that we cannot fix right now, but there are things we can do. And let us cheerfully do those things, whether it is reaching out to a friend, whether it is strengthening ourselves. Elder McKay in the most recent conference said, gave this beautiful blessing. He said this, Jesus Christ is the great deliverer, and in his name I promise that as you turn to him with full purpose of heart, he will deliver you from everything that threatens to diminish your life or joy. That deliverance may take longer than you would like, perhaps even a lifetime, but He will give you comfort, courage, guidance, and hope until that day of ultimate deliverance. And I just want to leave that message with you, that message of hope, and do so in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So, Karen, I know that you, you have, um, usually allow some time for questions or things. If there's anything that I can um respond to, I'd be happy to discuss whatever might be on the mind of any of you. On Yeah. Any of the things that um, Deanna mentioned in her time with us
0: that you had further questions on or that you took a note on that you wanted to just clarify, anything more you'd want to know about White Ribbon Week or the tic-tac-toe tool that she uses? Yeah. Anybody else? Anybody have a question or a comment even? Because
1: sometimes we're inspired about, and this, like when someone's talking about something, because we've been led in our own situation, um, navigating our own river, right? Uh, we just feel like, and this, Deanna, this really helped me when I did this and this, you know? So even if you have something to add, like, this really helped me when I, or this really helps
0: us, or, is something that goes along with what she talked about you're welcome to share that as well I just have one um, comment and thank you Deanna so much for what you shared I really want to listen to this again and I just want you to know a lot of ladies listen that aren't able to attend just love to listen to the recording so just thanks so much um, but one thing that I thought of as you were sharing about how important it is what our response is and how it can take years to kind of Get their get our children's trust back, but I remember um had an older son that was had struggled um with several things as far as sexual self mastery and things like that for um several years and then um a younger child um, had as we were gone on a vacation, my daughter was watching movies and kind of tending while another younger boy had um been on the computer and was gotten into some things that had gotten down into a place where he didn't want to be and Um, so my older son was looking on the computer. He, he saw that that had happened and said, Hey mom, you really want to talk to this younger son? You know, he'd kind of gotten into this stuff. And, and so I just immediately wanted to respond, but I, I kind of had different eyes then, you know, a different way of responding. But anyway, this boy, I said, can I talk to you about
1: the computer and what, anyway, he ran into the piano room and, Closed the door and he stood in the corner, you know, and just cried. And um, I remember this um, older son came and kind of knocked on the door and said, "Mom, can I talk to you for a minute?" And um, so I was in the middle of trying to talk to him, and I wasn't being angry, but how important it was that he he said, "Mom, it's so important that you don't get angry," you know, as I came out and talked to him, and um, it just amazing to me that just what you said that he realized how important you know that we practiced on him responding all in the wrong ways and we still do every day you know or just kind of bump along on how we do things but um it just drove that home when you said that that importance of our response and just trying really hard to practice that and to like you said take a deep breath and know that it's okay if we don't solve it right that minute you can solve it later in the night or tomorrow or Whatever. I just appreciated you bringing that up. Anyway, thanks for all you've shared. Thank you so much. Anybody else? I know you're all thinking something. There's a question in the chat for Deanna. Is there a White Ribbon Week program for high school, or is it just at the elementary schools? You know, the program that we do is specifically written for elementary, and it's written um, very Age appropriate for elementary and for junior high Um, so it would not be what you'd want to do for high school Um, a lot of high schools have um, there's there's several different things you can do net smarts the group net smarts will come out and do assemblies they do they already do that for a lot of schools Um, fight the new drug you may be familiar with um, comes out and does assemblies which are really powerful they have a new uh, three-part documentary that is, I don't know if any of you have seen that. Oh, my goodness. It is unbelievable. It is beautifully, it is well, so well done. And um, I think it is, is—they uh, each one talks about the effect of pornography on the brain, the effect on the heart, like on our relationships, and the effect on society. And it is powerful. Oh my goodness. Um, you know, I think for me, when I made the connection between pornography, which people often think of as having um uh that it doesn't hurt anyone, right? It's a it's no victim. I can look at whatever I want and doesn't hurt anyone. But when I recognize the connection between that and um sex trafficking and child exploitation, um, because there's a definite connection there. One feeds the other. It absolutely feeds it. And when I realized that, um and they they really talk about that in the third one of that documentary. Anyway, so fight the new drug. And there's also a fellow that is doing um assemblies, is kind of up and coming, his name is Colin Karchner, and he's doing a number of assemblies really um um promoting making it be cool for kids to not have a smartphone. So it's kinda of interesting. We'll see how that goes. But I think um the, the White Ribbon Week program that I've prepared really is, is based for elementary and it's a preventative program. So, yeah, but I think there needs to be more done and maybe, maybe that'll be something that, you know, kind of sparks a little idea in one of your minds that, of saying, hey, this is something that I'd like to get out there or I'd like to help with this. I think we need more of that. Um, but yes, White Ribbon Week is for elementary and for junior high. Okay. Um,
2: so this week I had an interesting experience as we have worked with one of our children who's been struggling with um, overcoming pornography. You know, there comes with it so much like mom anxiety in the beginning. And I just want to thank you
1: um, sisters who have, have walked this path and who are so willing to share your experiences with us. Like what I've learned today and what I've learned from
2: Karen has helped me and my family so much that for me, something that's helping is I have taken to reading all of the books that my son is reading,
1: like the fight, the, no, the Dragons book and putting on the armor of righteousness. And, um, I had an experience this week where
2: I felt very angry at my son over something not related to pornography, but I could tell my boys could feel like my energy was shifting. And I decided to try to practice what they have been doing. And so I am not a jump roper, but I took a jump rope outside and
1: I just started jump roping like so hard. I thought I was going to die after like a minute, but I was trying to access that weird chemistry that I've been learning about and um, kind of shift my brain chemistry and it really worked.
2: And then when I came inside, my son said, what are you doing? I'm like, I am I am fighting a battle with Satan too and I'm I'm trying to practice what we're all learning so that I can become better too. And I just hope that I hope that my sons can see like we are all fighting our own battles, you know, with Satan. It's not just our loved ones and it's not just pornography. We all have things that we have to apply, these principles that we're learning and and he just put his arms around me, one of my sons, and he like,
1: you can do it, Mom. <laughs> like, I know, but it's really hard. And it's given me a huge appreciation for what my son must feel, even though I don't
2: experience the sexual, you know, temptations. Um, mine are different, but I do have a, a greater appreciation for how a loss battle feels and how discouraging that can be and how we have to really fight to keep ourselves moving
1: forward. Wow. What an incredible story. That was, that was powerful. Thank you. I think that the biggest battle that we face is this feeling of despair. It's that feeling of, it's just that utter despair. And I think someone mentioned it earlier, that just exhaustion of, I don't know what to do. I can't fix this. I'm not up to this. And I, I reflect on the story again of the savior as he calmed the, the wind and the waves. It's interesting that he turned to his disciples on the boat and he said, I can't remember the exact words of where is your faith or why did you doubt? Do you remember that part? And I thought, when I read that recently, I thought, Well, of course they're gonna be afraid. You know, the the boat can go down. All these bad things can happen. They can drown, they can lose their life. And yet the Savior was saying, I've got this under control. Like where why did you doubt? Why are you afraid? because i've got I've got control of this i I feel like every day i we are all fighting that battle against Satan that you're talking about, and I think we just have to consciously put away those like put behind us, push his words behind us, don't say his words to ourselves, I can't do this, I'm not up to it, I'm not strong enough, I can't do this anymore. Push those thoughts and feelings behind you because. You just keep going. The Lord is on your ship. And, and you can do this. That's why I love that scripture of, um, let us cheerfully do all things that lie in our power. Whatever things we feel like we can't control, there's, there's things we can do and, and we can give a smile. We can love. We can go through another day. We can learn something that we just keep going. But I love that feeling that the Savior is on our ship. He's got this under control. Yana, yeah, thank you so much. You're so welcome. We want to express our gratitude in you coming today. We're so grateful that you were here. And we want to encourage you to come and check out our Mom Power training because it's so empowering and it teaches us a lot about handling ourselves in the right way. So that we can address a loved one who is wounded or in the right way or in a situation that is difficult for us. It actually teaches us how to, how to do that and why we're not able to do that and what we can do to improve the patterns that we get in in communicating so that we feel so much more confident in our ability to access the spirit as we parent and support people in our lives. Want more information? If you'll just let us know at support at momandthehearttraining.com. Okay. Love you, everybody. Thanks for being here. Thank you, everybody, who chimed in. I hope you have a wonderful day.